Good afternoon to you. I'm Dave Beck, afternoon host at listener-supported Classical King FM in Seattle at 98.1. I'm a Seattle-area cellist and your host for this series of Classical Conversations, programs available via podcast produced by the Seattle Chamber Music Society in association with Classical King. We're coming to you from Soundbridge at Benaroya Hall this afternoon for the last of three interview sessions with Seattle Chamber Music Society Festival Artists this summer. Our guest this afternoon has served as the principal cellist in the Seattle Symphony Orchestra since the fall of 2011. F.A. Baltajigil's presence here is in the city coincides with the rise in international profile and critical acclaim that the Seattle Symphony has enjoyed. F.A. and his SSO colleagues made a much praised trip to Carnegie Hall this past May. They launched the new Seattle Symphony Media record label and got the music world buzzing over the millions of hits they collectively generated on YouTube recently. F.A. has also made a number of much admired solo appearances with his colleagues in the Seattle Symphony, including an extraordinarily beautiful and thrilling Dvorak cello concerto performance this past spring. Prior to his arrival in Seattle, he was the associate principal cellist of the Philadelphia Orchestra. His collaborators have included Yo-Yo Ma, Sir Simon Rattle, and the Berlin Philharmonic Midori, Itzhak Perlman, and many others. F.A.'s collaborations with Seattle Chamber Music Society have come to be a regular part of his busy concert life. This summer season in Seattle, he will be part of the opening and closing night performances by society artists. So please welcome our studio audience here, F.A. Baltajigil. Thank you. So good to have you here. I'm such an admirer of your... My pleasure. Thank yeah. you, Dave, for having me. I want to begin this afternoon by uh, talking a little bit about um, the work you're doing here in Seattle as principal in the Seattle Symphony, a position you've held for three seasons now. This past season in particular was an extraordinary one for the orchestra, I think, in terms of the level achieved in artistic success, critical acclaim, and in terms of high profile of the organization. What, what does it mean to you to be in the position you're occupying at this time? Well, it's very gratifying, and it's a great honor. Um, it doesn't happen that you have such a fantastic season in any orchestra, actually, that you have this many wonderful events, one after another. And it was a really extraordinary season for all of us, and thanks to the um, hardworking you know, management, orchestra, musicians, I just, it was a wonderful team. Mm -hmm. It is a wonderful team, and it's just going so far, knock on wood. <laughs> what um, what do you admire particularly about uh, Maestro Morlo's role in, in, in shaping things? Particularly enjoy his um, innovative programming that he brings so many um, new pieces all together, and at the end, it, they make great sense. Um, I mean, there are so many examples. I, for instance, last season, I really enjoyed Britain War Requiem. That was my first time, and it's such an effective piece, and you could see all those concerts that we played. It was full house, and people were very interested to hear this grand work in such an intimate setting of wonderful concert of Benaroya, which mm -hmm. I have to say that acoustics are unbelievable up there. It's mm -hmm. just incredible concert hall, so we are very lucky mm -hmm. to play in such a fantastic space. What's, what strikes me is the range of, of what you do these days. I mean, one night it's Henri Dutilleux, these symphonies that are so rarely heard. And, and then next night we play Baroque Yeah, music. or yeah. 
or the whole you know orchestra league coming here and the big party with Sir Mix. I mean, that was that seemed like a lot of fun. That's right. Now I can write on my bio. I actually played with Sir Mix a lot. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, friend right. of mine mentioned that I should. <laughs> and, you know, I'll tell you, it was very, very exciting evening. That that to see audience go so. Um, I don't know how to say this on a radio program, but it was wild. It was it was fantastic, and you know we all had great time, and the turnout was great. It was fantastic exposure that you know you cannot you cannot pay for that kind of you know it's, it was incredible mm -hmm. evening. Is it is it important for the orchestra to have fun like that? I mean that was just an amazing week, of and course. then you then a couple weeks later it's these three ballet scores by Stravinsky. So you folks are working so hard. I'm big believer of the variety that you do on your own work brings like more you go out of your comfort zone. When you go to your center, whatever that might be, you actually succeed and you do better because of the experiences you gain from. The, um, those extremes that you try to achieve as best as you can. And I, I really admire that, what this orchestra can do. And for me, it's a wonderful challenge, and I learn a lot from it. Mm -hmm. I want to hear an example of a newly released recording by the Seattle Symphony Orchestra in which you are prominently featured. This is from the new Seattle Symphony Media record label. There are several discs out already, and this is one from the latest. It's an all-foray project. For, we'll talk about it, but first here's a little bit of F.A. and his colleagues in the Seattle Symphony playing the Gabriel Fauré Elegy for cello and orchestra, uh, Ludovic Morlot. Which, is. by the way, this was the very first piece I ever played with the orchestra in Istanbul in 1994. That really? was my first full solo appearance, and it was in a tiny little concert hall which belonged to a wonderful old hospital and it was a fascinating evening because that was my first professional solo appearance <laughs> so i i dedicate this cd uh, this performance to my past teacher in istanbul nusret kayar who passed away a few years ago unfortunately at the age almost 91 and you know he taught me so much and i miss him dearly yeah, yeah. well we'll Talk a little bit more about Istanbul and, and how important that Can't wait. environment was. Yeah. Uh, but first, foray, a little bit of the elegy here.
I like to imagine your late teacher with a big smile on his face after. I hope so. And he would say, like, you didn't vibrate that note. <laughs> <laughs> All those lessons come back, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. What, tell me about working with um, Maestro Morlo and your colleagues as, as collaborators on a project like this, because you have done a number of things in your first few seasons here. Yes, um, orchestra has been extremely generous and very welcoming, I have to say. And I feel very much home immediately after, you know, first rehearsal. Um, Maestro Marlow has been very, um, very, very nice to include me in many projects, and also Elena. Um, they've been working so hard to, you know, make this place as special as mm-hmm. it can be. And um, I mean, I'm honored that they would ask me to do this recording, which we had, I believe, about two sessions, and it was pretty easy. Um, couple few hours and then we were done Mm -hmm. Um, and it's wonderful to see what this orchestra can do because those cds that you mentioned the variety in them from ravel foray detour that it's just incredible um it's a fantastic project and it's not over yet there's many more coming yeah exactly yeah you you met elena dubinets exactly tell tell people about her role who might not know kind of what she does and how she shapes the orchestra and well all those chamber concerts that you you hear it's all her um ideas and also the you know soloists and um, conductors are all collaborated with you know simon elena and maestro marlowe they all come together i believe and make their decisions but basically what you hear Almost everything has her uh, fingerprint, and I like what she brings to the table, and she's a wonderful person to work with, and so open to new ideas, and her knowledge is endless. It's fantastic to mm-hmm. collaborate with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, collaboration is really, I mean, I think that's such a big part of the Seattle Symphony's success right now, that every part of the team is, is exactly, contributing yeah. so much. The logistics of this Carnegie Hall trip. Oh, yeah, that was super exciting. We spent about three days, um, and it was such a success to see so many of you, actually, the Seattleites, to turn up there. They did a trip with us, and it was so nice to see this. You look um, out to the audience, and big, big numbers. I mean, that was so, it was very touching. Yeah. Yeah. Of the six North American orchestras that participated and brought audiences Seattle was the the best represented isn't that nice that that tells me a lot actually about this wonderful city that we all live in it's it I mean the sport of the arts is very important and I think that what makes special this beautiful city yeah well yeah and and as you think back on taking the job in Seattle and, and leaving Philadelphia I mean what what has uh, pleased you the most or surprised you the most or I, I suppose that sense of well, let's see. I spent nine years in Philly, started third chair, and then moved up a few years later. I was hired by Wolfgang Savalish, who was a phenomenal, in all terms, maestro. He was an unbelievable um, person to be around with. And I was very lucky that I was hired and spent season and a half with him. And then my I, I was moved up. I took an audition for the second chair, which was... Um, led by Christoph Eschenbach, who hired me as a second, which I played many chamber music concerts with him. And when he sits on that piano bench, it, there's 
not many people can come close to his musicianship. Mm. He's a phenomenal artist, um, as many of you might know. Um, I learned so much from him as well. And then, you see, one has to make a decision if you want to keep improving that I realized that I had to you know, keep looking around. And it was hard to leave one of the finest orchestras in this country, maybe the world, and to come here as a principal. But I'm learning so much more, and I'm improving. Um, I like to think I'm improving. Um, it's just it's a wonderful experience to be here. And something about Seattle reminds me so much of home, Istanbul. Mm-hmm. because it's surrounded by water, and I love that very much. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that environment growing up in, in Istanbul uh, and, and what musical, cultural opportunities it, it provided for you. Um, well, I come from quite a musical family. My father plays bass, my younger brother plays bass, my aunt plays bass. <laughs> and so my mother has a beautiful voice that would make angels weep. She, mm. She's quite a singer, um, even though she's a gymnastic, she was a gymnastic teacher. Um, but um, so I listen lots of classical music and jazz because my father plays not only classical, but he plays fantastic jazz as well. And I grow up in jazz bars um, waiting for his set to be over around like 1 a.m. <laughs> Don't tell the child protection services. Um, but anyway, it, it was fantastic. Uh, again, variety of my background and living in the, one of the most cosmopolitan cities in Europe. It was so nice and um, culturally and geographically. It's just a great place to be, still yeah. is. And I go back very often to not only perform, but I always go vi- vacation yeah. in Istanbul and see my family. It, it's such a crossroads and such a, such a rich place culturally, as you say. And uh, I mean, did that play into your... Um, collaborations with Yo-Yo Ma, because you've been part of the Silk, Silk Road. Road. briefly, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, mostly that collaboration owes uh, my... I was very lucky to be involved in Isaac Stern's last Carnegie Hall workshop, where I work with phenomenal musicians, including Emmanuel X. And when you play or um, work with those circles, and if you do well, good things happen. Mm. And soon after that... Um, uh, Isaac Stern unfortunately passed away and I got the phone call that I I was asked to play in his memorial and I asked who would be in the group it was Brahms Sextet and when they said Isaac Perlman, Midori uh, Pinkas Dukerman, Yo-Yo Ma and (laughs) Jessica Thompson I was like "Uh, okay I'll definitely (laughs) (laughs) let let me check my uh, schedule (laughs) So it was it was incredible, and after that concert, Yo-Yo was very generous to say, I'll be watching you, and he did. Yeah, and so. surely enough, we had a few other um, wonderful chamber music experiences, and of course he appeared soloist, as a soloist in Philly, and he's coming here next season. Yeah, right. Played Schumann, which I cannot wait. Yeah, It'll be just magnificent. In the, I, was, I think it was 1980, and I was a student at the University of Washington with the late Toby Sachs, the founding artistic director of this festival, and um, somehow we had, I, I went and saw Yo-Yo Ma play the Schumann three nights in a row. I, I just, I just, and it was, it was a little different every Lucky night. Lucky you. Thrilling. Every, yeah. Lucky he, you. He plays that. He's easily. a fantastic artist and I, I admire his, his um, range and his continuity. And he has a heart that, I mean, he's one of the nicest human beings out there, I think. When I have interviewed Yo-Yo Ma, and it's been two occasions, 
he spends the first 10 minutes, he, he reads up on you beforehand. <laughs> and he, he spends the first 10 minutes asking you about you know, what you're That's right. up to. That's it's, right. It's really lovely. It's is, very genuine. He is. I want to, this is all tying together because this has to do with your family and with your wide range of, of tastes and interests in music. And um, I'm going to play a little bit of you and your brother oh, playing some excellent. Edgar Meyer. Fora. Yeah. Excellent. excellent. Fora Baltigil is your, is your younger brother, you That's say? right. Yeah. And <laughs> you're talking about all the bass players in the family. Didn't you initially start out in a rebellious fashion by playing the violin? I, I actually did, but um, it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't my choice. One day my father came home and he brought this tiny present, which happened to be tiny, tiny violin. And it was so small. Yet I was even smaller, I guess. I couldn't reach the first position, I remember. It was like so far away. And after a few years of that, um, uh, he came back home with a much larger toy, which happened to be cello, which I still try to find the right notes on it. <laughs> That's right. We never, we never stop. So, uh, Fora Baltigil with F.A. And uh, this um, piece by Edgar Meyer will sample just a little bit of it. What, what was that piece, or what was the occasion where you both happened to play that? So Edgar wrote this uh, duo a um, long while ago. I remember hearing it in that Appalachian um, CD that they released with uh, Mark O'Connor, I think. Yo-Yo, yeah. Yo-Yo, that trio, which was fantastic uh, several year, many years ago. And this occasion was Fora's graduation recital at Curtis, um, I want to say 2005 or six, And he... He asked me to do this, of course, I was very happy to, but the problem is I arrived from really far, beautiful, exotic island night before, <laughs> and it was very fun to like get my uh, hands back to the cello without any calluses, so it was fun. <laughs> but we had a great time, and I, Fora is the first Turkish musician who actually made it to Berlin Phil. He, he played in the section there for several years, and then he was in... Um, New York Phil is a principal, and now he just won Munich uh, solo bass position. So he's doing really well. I'm yeah. so proud of him. I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, so let's, let's talk about this concert that you and he did. You appeared as soloists with the Berlin Philharmonic. Yes, we did. Tell, um, tell me, this was just in the last, maybe... Two seasons ago. Okay. Yes, this was the very important um, 
highlight of my life, I have to say, because you know every musician dream playing Carnegie, do this and that, and some of us do dream to play with one of, in my opinion, one of the best orchestra in this world, non-universe, I should say. Um, and it was such an opportunity, thanks to Simon Rattle and, of course, the Istanbul Festival, who ran by Yeshim Gurar, who um, came up with this idea of featuring me and my brother Fora, who was part of the Berlin Field that time. Mm-hmm. And the piece, so the problem is, the piece is written for originally by Bottesini for violin and double bass and oh. orchestra. Oh, wow. And so what we came up with, actually Simon's idea, thank you very much, Sir Simon, for that. He decided to that I should play the violin part on a cello. So, <laughs> of course, it has some <laughs> challenging moments, but uh, <laughs> it was such an amazing experience that I will... I will never forget, and to hear that orchestra's first note, which, you know, grabs your soul like not, nothing else, and just, it's incredibly, incredibly moving experience it was. And of course, share the stage with such a musician as Simon, Sir Simon Rattle, who I knew from Curtis, because he used to come quite often to give classes. Um, and then, of course, Philly Orchestra, which I had great pleasure of working with him. Um, is in- incredibly, incredibly moving musician. He just brings your 150 percent. Mm-hmm. When you look into his eyes, um, you think you can do. You know, your you go to your 100 percent, but then he brings that extra, extra bit in you which you didn't know that existed. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him and also Yo-Yo. They have both that quality, and it's so inspiring. Yeah. And it seems to me that this the setting in which you played in in Istanbul was was quite special as well. That we played two concerts in Turkey. First was in Istanbul in a wonderful large concert hall, which was of course special, being in your hometown. Great turnout. Um, but the next night we went to Izmir, which is this gorgeous little, uh, not so little anymore, uh, next big city on the Aegean Sea, and we played in Ephesus which seats thousands and thousands of people. And I started the first note and looked up. There was a full moon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just amazing experience. I mean, my, actually, I'm getting goosebumps as I remember the moment. But it was an unbelievable experience of two days of this surreal, um, lovely 48 hours with the, like being around with the best. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Both for and I will never forget. Yeah, it's wonderful. You are having a reunion of sorts in Seattle this summer with um, your Philadelphia car- colleague, yes. who we just heard play last night. The amazing, he bronze. is unbelievable, Ricardo Morales. Mm, you must be referring I am to him, indeed. Yeah, he is one of the. I mean, talk about inspiration when he, when he, you know, makes that first very sound of, of his fantastic clarinet. He. Again, this everything stops, and you're in awe immediately. When he got that job um, in Philly, we were every time he played a phrase, the entire orchestra would turn back and say, "What just happened?" <laughs> it's just so inspiring, and I'm so delighted to James and, of course, Toby Sachs, that, that you know, founder. Um, that you know, thanks to them, this this happens every year, um, and not only summer but winters too that 
I see so many great friends, and we make so much beautiful music with the best selection of chamber music repertoire, which I'm very lucky to be part of such a such a fantastic project. I know that you're you're particularly excited about bookending the the festival this year. You played on opening night, which was Schubert, which was Schubert, yeah. And now we do the um, Beethoven. It's it's a wonderful resolution, I think, the beginning to end. And the interesting thing that I started practicing with Beethoven, it it, it had so many parallels to the Schubert. Um, And I think then I started to read about it because it was uncanny how similar they both start with the same, not same note, but the same unison, and then it goes into slow introduction and then the fast first movement starts. Also the second movement, both pieces, both Schubert and Beethoven, wrote for clarinet melody starts mm. and many other parallels to scherzo to trios and very joyful last moment of course i realized schubert was commissioned this piece because beethoven's um, work was so popular that um clarinet player ferdinand something i can't remember his last name right now but he commissioned it through archduke and b- turned out to be this very similar piece in oh. in, in a form in the orchestration and the or- instrumentation, I should say. And there are some uncanny parallels. So I love this starting three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, with Schubert and closing with Beethoven. It yeah. makes such a wonderful, even though they have 24, 25 years difference in between. It's incredible. I That's love that. That's a great that. parallel. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Well, we have uh, just a taste of, of the opening night performance. And uh, uh, Ricardo Morales shows up here a little bit. And we give F.A. the last word in this, uh, in this excerpt, but this is opening night this year at the Seattle Chamber Music Society Summer Festival and the Schubert Octet for Strings and Winds. things that uh, musicians have been talking about with the Seattle Chamber Music Society. I think of uh, Augustine Hadelik this year who did, yes. uh, well, and yeah, the, the Mendel, which you played in as well, the Mendelssohn uh, I did. D minor. That yes. was his first Mendelssohn D minor piano trio. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. <laughs> and he was so thrilled to, to be doing it. I, mean, I know. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a wonderful time, and we celebrated a um, few nights after by playing volley pong. Volley pong, that's, that's right. right. That's well, right. we should, yes, we, we should, we're learning all sorts of fascinating things here that's today. Right. So, volley pong, I had never heard about this sport until I looked at F.A.'s uh, bio. <laughs> that's right. And, um, well, you, you tell the story of volley Well, pong. it's a hybrid game uh, of volleyball and ping pong. And I'm, we came up with it in Curtis last century. 
<laughs> and it, it, it just caught up really well. And, you know, I tried to keep it alive as much as I infected half of the Philly Orchestra. And then now I infected <laughs> most of Seattle Symphony. And yeah. it's, it's just so much fun. And Augustine actually knows this because he went to Marlboro, which I also infected Marlboro Music Festival <laughs> with, with Volepa. And I'm, I love this game because it helps... Um, your reflexes, which helps your sight reading. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. No, actually, seriously. It's a wonderful sport, and, you know, it, it's good to move yeah. around. Well, it's, uh, it, you, you have to volley three times on each side of the net before you... Exactly. We'll do that. It's like ping pong, right? That's yeah. right. We would need another two um, programs for me to truly <laughs> <That's right>. explain <laughs> the game for you. <laughs> There's some very one is particularly amusing. It's some software company where they're playing volley pong, there you go. and they uh, they have an instructional video. So we will That's put right. that up on the King <laughs> FM or perhaps the Seattle Chamber Music <laughs> Society website, and further infect the nation. But I have to say, Augustine to play with and Jenny Parker, of course, it was just such an honor. Um, great musicians, and that piece is usually you know played in certain way that it was so refreshing for me to work with them and. It was so comfortable. It felt like we've been playing trio for years, and we still got along really well, <laughs> which is which is very nice. Yeah, it was it was thrilling night. That was thank just you, a, a thank you. I had a wonderful time. The 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 scherzi on the program that night was also the NS quartet playing one of the one of the middle Beethovens, I think, and 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 both the scherzi yes. were just yes, you're uh, right, exhilarating. <laughs> Fifty nine number one, I think they yeah, did. It was, yeah, it was terrific. Um, I want to play a little bit. This is off of your. Um, website and it's um, you're playing some Ravel here, uh, Abenera. Abenera, yes. Um, let's listen to a little little taste of this. Tell me a little bit, I know it's a very complicated question to kind of um, break down, but um, how was your sound created? I mean, what, what are the elements of it? Or, and I mean that in terms of, obviously part of it is this teacher that you speak so lovingly of. And, and, and David Sawyer was a teacher of yours. I mean, Peter Wiley, David yeah. Sawyer in the US, um, in Turkey, Isan Kartal and Nusret Kayar. Those four people, um, I owe them a lot. Uh, they gave me so much. And I can actually never repay um, what I inherited from them. The beautiful part of this heritage on music that you have lessons, and you're not only getting lessons from that person, 
but you're getting lessons from their past as well. The, the beautiful thing about studying with both Mr. Wiley and Mr. Sawyer, they had great um, exposure to Kazals, and that is very evident on their musicianship. And going to my Turkish um, teachers, they, um, particularly Nusret Kayar, studied in France with Navarra, um, who is just a huge school of um, French, um, I mean, cello school. And I've been very lucky with getting the both worlds of um, European um, approaches to cello. But coming to sound especially, I would say biggest influence is growing up surrounded by sound of double bass at house. And, and it, it really, I crave, when I pick up an instrument to try, I'm more attracted to their lower strings to see if they have the support that I, I'm seeking. Even on the A string that you look for this depth, even though it's the highest string, um, I think it's very important that you have that something underneath the sound is probably the answer that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And that tone quality, which many of my teachers told me that there is something about the sound that I produce immediately, that they were ha they seemed to be happy. That wasn't the issue that we worked most of the time. Um, the, the tone relatively came easily because I think my mother has a beautiful voice, which I grow up with, and my father plays bass, and that, that tone that I always went for, perhaps. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Ludovic Morlo has uh, talked about when we do our Seattle Symphony programs at, at King FM is that he, he wants to work with the principals. Um, Alexander Valenzon did the Brahms this year, and um, uh, Susan uh, Gulkas Asadi will, will be performing the, the principal double basses. Really wants to get the principals out there to collaborate with yeah. them, to Isn't exchange that, ideas on, on sound. and yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That we are very lucky because that's a wonderful exposure and it's great for one's playing. If the orchestra can produce soloists in high caliber, that's, that tells a lot about an orchestra. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, playing the Dvorak last season with him, it was a great honor and I had a fantastic time. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask too, just we were thinking about the, the Beethoven Septet that's coming up tonight, this piece for Strings and Winds and the Schubert. Um, were those, are, are these early experiences with you playing those pieces, that kind of repertoire that's such, you know, such large scale chamber pieces? Well, everything is a chamber work. Even when you play solo Bach, there is an essence of chamber music in there between the two moving lines or three or four lines what Bach is trying to achieve with single instrument that he um, is uh, the harmonization and the different voice leading that there's always essence of chamber music um, and even in the biggest orchestra if you can get that essence I think that's the, one of the keys to succeed that, that you have to have that understanding you know you're not just playing straight eight notes. You are probably sporting some beautiful melody somewhere, and it's probably a good idea to know which instrument is playing that melody <laughs> to see if you can sport him or her as best as you can with the go with the phrasing. And that's the best part of the um, being well-educated and getting enough exposure to chamber music, I think, is a very essential part of any musician's life. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe necessarily that there is... Um, only chamber musician, orchestral musician, 
and soloist. One has to be able to do all three in order to succeed whatever they decide to pursue. Mm -hmm. But I think it helps to have, you know, all of them covered as best as you can. But I think it all comes down to this intimate chamber music is the key to really understand, appreciate, and do well mm -hmm. in life. <laughs> mm -hmm. That sense of being able to, to, I love that description of you know, looking back at Ricardo Morales. And, and uh, uh, I, love to, I love to see that. I actually, and I think I speak for everybody in this room who's a fan of yours, that you, your sense of gratitude when you play uh, as to what you're doing. Look, and you're, I feel very lucky. Yeah. I'm, I'm very lucky with my family, with my friends, with my teachers, with my instruments. Um, and it's it's super super nice to be like that. It's it's really it's it's nice. You know, my all my f colleagues in schools they they would they would be scared of their cello lessons and whatnot, orchestra. And I always looked forward to it. And that's the difference, I think, when you have really good teachers that they invite you in such a way. And you're not scared of it, but you're eager and you want to do better and you want to improve. And that is the key that, you know, that kind of love to music. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, as we get ready to, to wrap up here, we'll hear a little bit more for Ray, but um, I wanted to just delve in a little bit more about this extraordinary sense of family and uh, and community and bond uh, at this festival. Mm. And uh, it was a, a year ago yesterday that Toby Sachs passed away. It was so incredibly sad. Uh, then in contrast, last week, the, the festival celebrated the arrival of a new baby. That's with, right. Uh, with yeah. James Ennis' yes. uh, second child. And, um, uh, and then in your own family, you celebrated a new arrival yes, this year. Yes, we have a new addition, which... Um, is I thought I knew love, but apparently I didn't. It's a different kind of shade of love that is so powerful, and it it helps. It just every time she smiles, the whole world stops, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it it just is beautiful. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> your wife is Heather. Yes. Uh, and yes. Uh, and what is your what is your daughter's name? Her name is Ada. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, so this uh, it, it is a very uh, it is a very special community as you've you've outlined. Um, uh, how, in your experience, does it does it um, differ from other uh, festivals, or what 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 is it here that you could bottle and encapsulate that makes it? Uh... Well, besides the fantastic management and fantastic musicians that come every every season. We have this chef, <laughs> Tom, who makes this festival perhaps, perhaps the most special festival ever. <laughs> he is, you actually heard him. You, he performed for you, uh, Debussy with Orion. He is magnificent. He just, you know, he can take this little thing and will make it the world's most delicious piece of food and it's just that kind of talent we're talking about so we were chatting a couple days ago and he you know he as he prepares food people rehearse next room and he was telling me how happy he is at this new setting that he has now is like so close to the rehearsals and and i said yeah that food tastes even better now it's just very very we're very lucky 
And I'm very grateful to James and Connie, that so many people, the board, the musicians, it's incredible collaboration. It really is, and we are lucky. Artistry abounds, it sounds like. Yes, uh, yum, yum. Well, yes. let's... Um, <laughs> I want to listen just a little bit uh, more of this uh, foray elegy. And any other uh, thoughts about how this recording turned out that... Uh, that particularly pleases you, or, or, or if there's more in, in the future um, in terms of recording? or um, There might be. Um, what I like about this for a CD that featured Damari, our, past, our principal, principal flutist at that time, and Sasha, who also um, concert master, which is wonderful that it shows what Ludo is going for, and that I... I love that. Not many maestros will be that generous. They, they'll be more like, oh, me, me, me. But here you have true sense of collaboration. And I think that's very important mm -hmm. for any artistic uh, project. Mm -hmm. Here's a little bit of the uh, foray elegy. Thank you very much for that, Effie. Mm. It's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, anything that is coming up on the horizon, uh, pieces that you're learning, things in the symphony season, other chamber music that you're playing that you're especially excited about? Well, I'm very excited about tonight. Yes. At playing the Beethoven with my friends, um, 8 o'clock. And it's going to be a fantastic concert because we have Tchaikovsky and we have Brahms. And we have a little bit of Beethoven. So that's one thing. And next season, I'm going to Turkey to play Dvorak, which I'm also very excited. Um, that for, I mean, for cellists, it doesn't get much better than mm. playing the Dvorak. It's like mm -hmm. the biggest filet menu, like filet. That's <laughs> you, good dinner. And yeah. it's... It's it, always, uh, it was uh, your your Dvorak with the symphony this year was was so beautiful. It's, thank you. Did you have a sense of rubato in your playing that I I thought was was just 
extraordinary. Thank you, Dave. It, it, that's, that's allowed by the orchestra sensitivity. And that, you know, it, again, it goes back to this chamber feeling that if you have yeah. that with the musicians, which, which was very evident from the first rehearsal, um, that's, that makes it much easier and yeah. much more fun. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we, we talk about family and a sense of, of soul as a musician. And there's so much of that built into the story of Dvorak yes, coming to America. And, yes, and, uh, and losing his love of his life. Um, yeah. um, that, that has big impact on this special last moment. And there are some foreshadows of that second moment because he knew she was ill. Um, and it's, it's a very, very intimate piece, yeah. even though it is perceived quite loud and grand and, you know, that way. But perhaps it's actually it's much more soft-spoken and intimate. When the, yes, the, when the violin comes at the end and plays her song. You know, that's right. That's, uh, that, that coda, which he completely yes. rewrote. Yes. Just it, to, to acknowledge her passing. It's, uh, it's yeah. always an extraordinary story. So such heart and skill, and I appreciate everything you bring to the symphony and to the Seattle Chamber Music Society, and it's been such a pleasure to work with you today. All my pleasure. Thank yeah, you, Dave. Thank you. Let's uh, give our thanks to F.A. Baltajigo. Thank you. Thank you. That brings this latest classical conversation gathering and podcast to an end. Find this program and our entire series of podcasts with Seattle Chamber Music Society artists online. There's a great collection of uh, music and conversations in those archives now. And you can find information about the Seattle Chamber Music Society Winter Festival coming up in January of 2015. SeattleChamberMusic.org is the website. James Ennis is the artistic director for the Seattle Chamber Music Society. Connie Cooper, executive director, our engineer for these podcasts. And the King FM Live Summer Festival broadcast. We did all 12 this year is Bill Levy. These podcasts are produced by me and Seattle Chamber Music Society director of education programs and outreach, Jeremy Jolly. I'm Dave Beck, afternoon music host and producer at Listener Supported Classical King FM at 98.1. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you.